0: Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Ultimate Coach podcast, a companion to the transformative book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan D. Thompson. Each conversation is designed to be a powerful wake-up call, reminding us of what's possible for you and your life. So if you're on a journey to expand your state of being, this podcast is for you. Welcome back. My name's Philip Bartu, one of the three hosts of the podcast, and uh, today I'm being joined by Dominic London. Dominic, good to have you here. Hello. Hello, <laughs> hello. Dominic, we've had a few conversations, and I'm just so inspired by who you are and so excited to bring you on as a guest today. Every so often, I'll meet someone who has just an extraordinary story and whose life was really going in a very clear direction of, oh, how could I say it from what I know of, you were going in a direction of probably abusive substances and getting arrested and a life of being in a lot of hardship and crime and poverty. And you're today a successful high-performance coach. You lead a community. You have multiple businesses. And a beautiful family of three, with three children. Dominic, your story has deeply touched me. And although we, we don't have time to unpack the whole thing, I I would like just to start just for you to just introduce yourself into into this group, and for the people who don't know you, a little bit about your background and where you are now. Thank you for that introduction. I was feeling into
1: that and I was thinking, oh, sounds like an extraordinary guy. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And um, we have had a few few discussions. that have been a blessing to my life as always. So who am I? Uh, my name is Dominic London, 37 years old, married to my wonderful wife, Jane London, 13 years married together for... This will be our second decade together, I believe, this year. And I'm a serial entrepreneur, you know, and I am also a, a coach. And I I love the life that I have, I've currently created. And like you said, to speak a little bit to kind of the journey, and I'll keep it as short as I can, it started out real bleak for me, coming from a socioeconomically deprived, deprived background with drug-addicted parents to my own you know, drug addiction and alcohol abuse in my teenage years to actually, you know, looking at 15 years behind bars. And that led to a, you know, a traumatic mental breakdown. But that traumatic experience was and has been the catalyst for the most transformation um, transformational journey uh, of a lifetime that I've been on from then to now and continue to be on.
0: So yeah just for for people who don't who don't know you and I, I only found out about this recently that you know your father had been in prison and so that you just started out by discovering some books and just what was the very first book that you picked up that opened your mind to a new life that would be possible for you
1: Oh, that's a good question. And in actual fact, not one book pops into my mind. There was a there was a, a a multiple number of books, and as I sat with that, as that kind of like was projected onto the desktop of my mind, a book that was present for me now that really kind of got me intrigued was uh, actually a book by Brendan Burchard called Life's Golden Ticket. When I first started out in
0: this journey, um, oh, how old were you when you picked up that book?
1: Well, that's a good question. I couldn't give you an accurate age, but it would have been at least
0: oh a decade ago. So, and I know you've went you went on to do a lot of work with Brendan, and you leave you lead a community which is really about high performance based on a lot of his teachings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I did. So Brendan was one of those guys that kind of popped up on my radar in this in this you know, this this personal development space as a as a certified high-performance coach, multiple New York Times best-selling author, um, featured on Oprah and Success Magazine. He was like, really? But how I found Brendan or stumbled across Brendan was in my search on YouTube, like just searching how to deal with depression. Because at that time, I was probably a good few years out of my breakdown, uh, but I was still suffering with you know, agoraphobia and, and panic attacks and um, just little deep depression. So, you know, I turned to the internet like we will do and, and Brendan was one of those guys that popped up in a video and what struck me about Brendan was his energy. Yeah. Kind of like intrigued and kind of started following him from there. And then went on to eventually, you know, when I was looking at a qualification in the coaching industry and explored all of the, the ones available I did a bit of uh, neurolinguistic programming and CBT as well, cognitive behavior therapy, and I was I was looking at the, the different avenues to go down, and Brendan's just stood out to me as one that uh, you know resonated with me and where I was at at that time, and so I invested. That was uh, my, one of my first big investments. That was ten thousand for the qualification. Yeah, I, I've, I've never looked back. So it's, it's it's it heavily influenced me in regards to and on my journey to. You know, unlocking my 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 infinite potential.
0: Well, I'm so proud to just for how far you've come from where you are now. The fact that we're having this conversation today also means that you know you've been very much involved in bringing being into the world, and, and you're also a speaker in Birmingham. You'll be sharing the stage with 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 some wonderful people. We'll be talking about that. We can talk about that a, li- a little later on. What I would love to hear from you though is I also know that you've kind of I, I remember saying you know, you kind of stepped back a little from the being community and felt a little uh, disconnected from it. and in a way, I just really appreciate the honesty and the authenticity that you brought in that conversation. and just wanted to to get a bit more into into understanding what where has you know how, how does being fit into all this in your journey?
1: Yeah. So how does being fit into all of this and in my journey? So I think for so me, it has, it's more my pursuit to, to find the best in the industry at what they do. So, so back in 2018, when I, uh, actually 2017, when I actually realized that coaching was, was, was a profession. You know, I, I kind of worked through a lot of fears and ideas I had around what coaching was and started hiring coaches for myself. When I made that decision and I sat down with my wife and I said, I, I think this is something that I'm, I'm going to pursue. And she kind of gave me the, oh boy, okay, but you got my blessing sort of thing. Um, I started hiring coaches. Uh, I started hiring high performance coaches that were part of my, my original certification in community of alumni. And then I started expanding outside of that. And one of the guys I hired was a guy called Michael Sower. And I remember sitting with Michael and I remember Michael kept talking about his coach, Steve Hardison, he's coach, Steve Hardison. And at that moment in time, based on who I was being, which is uh, almost when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, how far you've come. But even in that coaching session with him, all I was thinking at that time was, why am I sitting with you? Like, Why am I here with you? the guy that's the main guy that you're going to is like that's where that's what I'm in search of the best. Who's at the top of this mountain that I can spend time with, I can learn from, I can be with. And so um, it was early 2018 is when even the name Steve Hardison came into my awareness, and it was my my pursuit of you know being around the best and learning from the best, being coached by the best that that, that got me curious about Steve. Yeah, as I got to know who Steve was, I was introduced to this idea and this concept of being.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing there is just this unwavering pursuit of excellence, being a professional coach in developing and learning. How did you make that happen? From, like, what what actually happened? Then you you at some point you decided this is it. I I want to, I want to learn from the best and. I want to learn from Steve. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I think it goes it goes way back to, you know, being homeless when my first son was born sixteen years ago and and really like this in a moment of despair thinking, how am I gonna and you know, I know I'm born. I know I was born and put on this earth to 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 create a positive impact, to make a positive change. I've always known that, no matter what I've done in my life or where I've been, I've always felt this compelling force, this like, you are called you know, you, you, your life is special. And and so, you know, when I was trying to even succeed in my in my business of like plumbing and construction, I struggled for the first seven, eight years. It was hard, hard, hard work. You know, it drove my marriage apart. I was addicted to, to, to working. And then I kind of realized, or it came to my awareness. In fact, it was a guy that I'll, I'll reference him. I've never, ever Done anything with him? I've never bought a course of his. I don't really know what he's about. But it was this this ad that popped up on Facebook, and it was a guy called Ty Lopez, and he said that, um, he was giving this talk, and he said if working hard, you know, was the key to success, then every construction worker, every cleaner, every you know manual labor individual would would be a roaring success. And I don't know what it was, but at that moment in time, that message hit me, and I was like. Okay, so Dom, working hard alone isn't gonna be enough. And anyway, I started pursuing, you know, mentorship and 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 coaching at that time as well. And i realized from the the growth I had I had experienced in my in my previous business that what truly accelerated me and got me to that level of like financial success I was aspiring to at that time was being around the best people, being in masterminds and up leveling my network, whether that be, you know, Paid or unpaid. So when I when I started exploring this idea of coaching, I basically it was fueled by by real life experience of the power of being around the best and getting around the best. And so that that's kind of that's where that motivation came from. It was alive in me based on the experience I'd already had in my other business. And I figured if I am going to shorten. However long this journey is going to be between me just deciding to be a coach and becoming recognized as, you know, one of the world's best, which isn't even uh, something that I'm connected to anymore from that place. So I want to be known as the best. But at that place when I was being motivated, for me, it was was very logical and it made sense that I need to seek the best out because I've experienced the power of that already. So, yeah, that's kind of... I guess where that desire was born from, from experience, from an experience of reaping the rewards of, of exercising a discipline like that in my previous business.
0: And you've, yeah. And you I can really also see the, like, there's a real power in, in that commitment that you made to yourself, in who you wanted yourself, how you saw yourself and, and you really stuck through it. So, you know, I acknowledge you for that because I know it, it takes something to go to, to get to where you are today and everything you've been through. I also want to share a short story about how you appeared in my awareness. And uh, this is, uh, I think, not, not many people may know this. So I'm going to, I, I want to share this because it really speaks to who you are to me. I was in London and I had just come for the ultimate experience in London and I was sharing an Airbnb with Casey and Rebecca Holt and it was the day before the event and Casey was said, you know, it's it's a miracle that I'm here. I said, Well what do you mean? He said, Well, someone gifted me a ticket. Someone paid for my flight to come here. Someone that I'd never really had a conversation with, and someone that doesn't know me. And it was just out of out of the good of his heart and i said wow that's that's extraordinary who was that and he says well the thing is he said that i can't disclose who that is it was just an act of benevolence and 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 general not even an act of generosity it was just it, that's, that's just what happened and that got me very curious and only um, a few days later i found out that was dominic london and ever since i always saw Dominic London as like the, this, just this really someone who has such a spirit of generosity. And uh, I, I just want to just acknowledge you for for what you did and, and for that gesture. And I also want you to know that when I heard that story, it actually also, it inspired me so much that I invited, I, I paid for someone's ticket to be there that, that couldn't have been there that day. So that had a ripple effect on me and on that person. So uh, I want you to know that as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that and reconnecting me to that. And also you that, that had a ripple effect on you. Some other individuals that I had uh, been called to take action and, and exercise generosity generosity and follow the nudge have also reported many things that they've done in relation to being a recipient of that at the time, and um, how they've paid that forward multiple times. So that's the biggest, most, I guess, heartwarming thing to hear
0: from the whole thing. Yeah, it's so inspiring, and it just makes you want to do more of that. And just to to, just to give purely from, just from, with, without expecting anything in return. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely, I think, yeah, you know what comes to mind when, when, when you say that is there was no expectation at all and it was a pure act of service, like, you know, according to my intuition and my spirit. Yeah. But also, I always, I got so much from it because my gift is in the giving.
0: Yeah. Gosh, you know, I'm I'm just being present to something... Dominic, in this conversation, just looking at my life and just realizing that in the way the way I was brought up, there was a lot of giving in my family. It's very very generous. There was a lot of I would say there's a very spirit of generosity. But every single giving, there was an in order to there was a reason for it. It wasn't just because. And I really realized how that. Was something that I had taken on, and whenever I was giving, it always had to come with a reason, Weird. and an explanation, and a justification as to why. I even uh, I, that's just something that I was so hardwired, and when I just give for no reason, just just to give, it's a different quality of, of giving. In fact, it's that's actually giving. The other thing is in order to and just just seeing this more deeply. How how can I live my life being someone who gives without any agenda? The way you've demonstrated for us so beautifully, yeah. Dominic. That's that's what I'm just I'm just really getting present to that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a powerful idea and concept. And it's uh, you know, I think there's nothing like being a father where you see, you know, the, the love, the care, what you give for your child is just completely unconditional and it comes with like the it, it, it just comes with no agenda. In those in, in those relationships, it's easier for me to see. Yet in others I'm 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 seeing that's yeah, that's that that could that's a blind spot for me. And it it's not just giving financially, it's 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 giving our time giving our presence, giving our care, feeling like, you know, I'm a 15-month-old son, Oliver. One of the things that has happened is, you know, shifting from being a married couple with my wife, Christina, and becoming a father, a lot of our conversations have been a a bit around, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And every time I ask that question, can you help me, it's almost like, Can you give me something? Can I, or should I, give you something? And this whole, can you help me? This, it was just becoming. It just felt like there was a lot of um, taking and a lot of neediness, and I noticed that you know even like my wife and I were getting a little snappy at each other and and feeling like we're our needs are not being met, and each of us are just giving and just giving so much and when we dropped the whole giving and just supporting each other just shifting from how can we be supportive how can we have a supportive environment how can we create a supportive network for us both we actually started to to just completely move away from the giving and just looked at just looked at our relationship as supporting each other and we realized that man it's been tough it's like we've been in switzerland for the first um, 14 months and, you know, that's the saying it takes a village to raise a child. Well, that, Christine and I, we, we were at the village and we realized that we just didn't have the level of support that we wanted, feeling very isolated and just finding it really tough, raising a child on top of everything uh, going on. And so, yeah, we, I'm now speaking to you from Guatemala. We have decided to come here for the winter and with, with her whole family and my whole body has just feel been feeling so relaxed. And what it what, what I've really discovered is just the ability to to just also receive and being taken care of and feeling like I've been the caretaker for this whole time from for Christina for my son and just feeling like that's been it's, it's also just allowing myself just to receive all the help and the support, and you know we have a village here and it's 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 so beautiful. so I, I, I just wanted to share that because it's just what's really present in my heart in this conversation right now. No, I appreciate this share. I was just being with it. <laughs> how does that look like in your family? The giving, the taking? how, how does that what does it look like How does that look like in your marriage? The first thing that comes to mind
1: is the idea of expectations and I'm not sure how much it's related but it's what's present for me after just being with the story that you were sharing as it relates to giving versus supporting and helping and for me it looks like expressing one's truth and being honest about one's needs. And being open to the possibility that your partner may not actually be able to honor or support those needs. And that for me is what I've learned of most recent.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I really appreciate what you're bringing there in the word honesty and, and expressing it in an honest way. and. What is it that you've discovered in your relationship when you're really able to do that and create and express things in an honest way and and not be living in expectations? What's and really being being for each other? What what does that look like for you?
1: Well, for me personally, what what that looks like is I kind of opened multiple folders for me. So so one of them is actually first analyzing what my needs are prior to making a request or an invitation to my wife and what that helps me realize is where it's actually coming from and mm. am I in am I do is it something that I want from a selfish point of view or is it something that I want that's in service of my wife and our marriage but there was a deeper layer to that and that was the fact that I realized that Uh, of recent my wife and I have felt disconnected and then I realized that actually there's nothing my wife needs to do there's nothing that she actually can do in order for me to choose who I need to be to love her fully serve her fully and through that love and through that service the connection that I thought I needed is there
0: constantly that's that's profound. A choice on my part. It's a choice of dropping the expectation of her needing to be any different or behaving differently than she is right now in any given absolutely. moment.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. under that, under that, the light of that, that totally for me shines a light on my judgments I have about my wife. My secret. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My
0: wife, right? Oh my god! So much in absolute state of non-resistance and acceptance. Yeah, and then being able to deal with it in a way that's that's just effective and not and in a way that's connected, even if there's you know that where you can be connected. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that. I love that. This has been also just one of yeah, just so. Um, and I find that so inspiring, and at the same time, such a such a challenge at times and. Oh, this morning, I I mean, this is just fresh. Like at five, um, at five o'clock this morning. So usually our son wakes up at six and this morning at five he's awake. My wife is like, Can you, can you like take him out for a walk? So I usually take him for a walk at six and it was five. And this morning I just, I was just really didn't want to do it and just wanted to stay in bed. And so I said to her, I was in a, just in, in in my half sleep i said i'll oh, i'll take him at 5:30 and i kind of negotiated with her and i said you know can you take him till then and she didn't feel supported and she took him it was at 5:30 you know she came over and and gave him to me and uh we were kind of bickering this morning and she was like yeah i didn't i didn't appreciate that i didn't feel supported and i realized that just in what you said it's like Was this about my needs or was it about, you know, the greater good for, you know, for the family and just seeing that, you know, just making a clear commitment to who I want to be and, and, and the, you know, that just seeing it's really for like my rest is important for the the good of our whole family and that. There are a lot of things I had going on today, and if I'm not if I'm not well and rested, that I I really needed that that extra half an hour. Yeah, and then just making a request. So this morning, you know, I just you know realized like behind every complaint is just a need that hasn't been expressed. And so I said to her, "Hey, I'd like to make a request. I'll take Oliver at five thirty in the morning, but before five thirty, please let me sleep." And, and yep. I explained why and, and I asked her if that would be, uh, if that was supportive. And she then apologized and realized that she herself was just exhausted and had a rough night. And, but what just what, what, what happened in that conversation is we, we came back just to a place of connection and uh, compassion and care and supportive. And then she was like, yeah, I'm tired of you putting all your shit everywhere and when you wake up in the morning, why does it take you so long to just find your shoes and then and, and as she was like uh, complaining towards me, I was like, hey, do you want to make a request? <laughs> <And> she's <laughs> like, yes, I do. I was like, all right, what's your request? Well, I request that you have everything prepared the night before so that when you wake up you can pre- you, you know you you're, you know you have things ready and and then uh, I was like, yeah, I can do that. I could do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that on. and so it it just became an agreement. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna prepare everything. So in the morning, I I, I can be a lot more effective, and I'm not running around looking for my keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just it's just such a it's such a simple thing, but it's so powerful because w- when when you shift from just having unmet expectations, all you're you're just setting yourself up for disappointment over and over and over again. And, and what you're saying here is just so simple and uh, it's such a beautiful reminder for me and the way I want to create in all my relationships. Absolutely. How does that play out with your kids? More specifically, what do you mean? Yeah, like what, what would be, um, you know, when you say you want to, you know, look at, your own needs look at the expectations that you have in 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 the way that you relate to your kids and re- remind me how old are your kids so my oldest boy is 16 my little girl my middle is 15 and my youngest boy is 7 okay so you got you got two teenagers right mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of parents are dealing with you know rebellious teenagers and they are starting to have their a mind of their own, and, and and so I I'm curious, you know, how does Dominic London approach fatherhood with 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 two teenagers in the house? Like when and, and how do you how are you creating agreements with them? And 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 what what have you discovered? What what's working for you? What's not working?
1: It's funny because one of the biggest challenges I've had in this whole journey as a, a father of teenagers is um, actually an issue of unexpressed expectations uh, with my eldest son. And so I can speak to that, and there'll be so much data in that, I'm sure. So for example, I could have answered that maybe four months ago differently, but where we're at now is my eldest son doesn't actually live at home anymore. He's only 16. (laughs) So what I realized was was that uh, I wasn't doing a great job of Connecting with my truth and having the courage to share that with my eldest son, and what that led to was a massive disconnect between me and my eldest son, and eventually uh, led to him making a decision to to move in with his with his nan, my mother in law, and she only lives a mile away, so he's not he's not far, and, and that was all that that all in my opinion came about from the expectations I had of him that he was unaware of and my my lack of, I wouldn't say lack of, but my, yeah, my lack of courage in connecting with the, the truth of why I was holding back as it relates to cultivating a more deeper connection with my son, which was more aligned with how I anticipated, you know, because I have these ideas and these judgments that, yeah, you know, I'm not going to have that. I'm not creating that that reality of a cliche. He's just a teenager, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. and uh, actually I uh, being experiencing that. But what was most profound for me was the the small hidden judgments that I had and the, the fear I had in expressing those to him.
0: Can you give me an example of one of those hidden judgments that you're afraid to express?
1: So, for example, our, our relationship was, you know, we weren't as connected, and he he's got his first love of his life, and we live in Southeast London. And he and and he's um his girlfriend that he met at the Brick School, which is a performance performing arts school. Um she lives in Finchley, which is like an hour and 15 minutes away via via London Transport. And so it got to the stage where he was staying out later. And then I was creating an agreement with him. So for example, he was at that teenage stage where he's like, why? But why? But why? But why? And so I I was very mindful that I wanted to to give the reasons why. Because one of the things I realized that the reason I didn't want to give a a why as a parent is because actually I hadn't spent much time thinking about it. And when I did, when I connected to the real why, it wouldn't be great sharing that with my children. Right? Well, so, what,
0: what is the real why that wouldn't be great to share?
1: Well, exactly. I mean, I can't think of anything now, but but this may, I think, where we're going will kind of shine a light on on one of those real minds. And and I think because oftentimes it sounds childish, or you realize that you actually you're creating an idea. Or a reality that doesn't exist you're just creating it as that based on your past experiences or based on what your mother and father may have you know done with you so for example when a child says when well, my son's like why do i have to not play computer anymore and i'm like hmm now when i start processing this i'm like well because you need to do your homework, and you need- spending time on the game isn't you know isn't spending too much time on the game isn't good for your mind and you know, start connecting to all these ideas I have t- as to why, and then if you share the- share them with teenagers, the amazing thing is is that they actually can pull up studies and start getting in a debate with you to actually prove that that's just the theory and is no facts in-, in this thing, right? So you end up in, <laughs> it's like, oh, Dad, actually, here's a study done by like the University of blah blah, and it says actually playing game has been linked to more creativity and a higher IQ, and it's like, oh, what do I say to that? So then you start getting into a dialogue. It's kind of like we realize, oh, this is going to be a, a, a debate that I'm equipped for. And actually, I learned a lot in 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 um learning to let go, and learning to to be at peace with with kind of what it is. But kind of back back to what, where I was originally going, if, if that even shares an example, but that's a minor example, or one that comes to mind is, so my son started coming back later and later. Now he's sixteen years old, and Traveling across London at certain times of the evening is not regarded as, you know, the safest thing to do as a, as a, as a minor. And so he started pushing the limits. I said, look, son, I expect you back home for 10 p.m. on a school night, and that is so fair compared to, you know, what the average parent would allow their child to be that. And he said, why? And I said, well, because I struggle to sleep when you're not in the house. Your mom struggles to sleep when you're not in the house, and you know we we worry about you. We worry about me. and when you come in, you might wake up your sister, or you might disturb the household, and it's we feel it's not fair on the house. So that's why it would be really appreciative if you could honor the agreement, and you can see that you know that's why. And so he says, "Yeah, sure, all right, I get it." But a few weeks pass, and he comes in later, and he comes in later and he comes in later. And now when I talk about being honest with self and sometimes it's almost embarrassing. Now, when I, when I connect to, well, why is that an issue for me? Well, it's an issue because it hurts my heart, the fact that my son's not honoring an agreement with me. It makes me feel mm-hmm. like he doesn't care about me. It makes me feel like he doesn't respect me. It becomes and very personal. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It becomes personal and the idea of communicating some of those things with him is like oh I don't want I don't want him to know that <laughs> and I don't want you know and then all these other creations come up he's going to realize maybe he has a power that that you know he doesn't know he has yet and actually I think the deeper truth and the deeper fear was realizing that well actually nobody can tell me what to do anymore now I could actually do what I want and there's no real consequence and the fear of who would my son choose to be if he realizes this veil that we've tried to create that you listen to what your mom and dad says, otherwise there'll be consequences. And in actual there aren't any tangible consequences that he can see. And then will that lead to him disrespecting us? Will that lead to him making choices that are going to impact his life negatively? And and you just really, for me, this whole process of what I've gone through with my son has mm-hmm. really shone the light on a being that exists that yeah. is like...
0: I'm to admit you know thank you for a, that was a very vulnerable share so you know thank you for for saying that i and i really feel your care for your son and how you really want the best for him and i i'm also hearing in, in your story there's a question that comes to me and it's like if i don't have power and control will my son still want to hang out with me
1: yeah and i think for me so what happened was how he actually decided to move out of the house was it was like the fifth time, and mm-hmm. I had come home, just and just that
0: like a broken agreement.
1: You yeah, know, well, maybe more than that. But what it was is that I was very frustrated with an so, and this is what was needed. And at this time, so it was really peak in my disconnect with my wife, and we just we just went into the the absolutely most loving beings in this world, and we ignored each other for a week, and uh, <laughs> and um, so. We was in this like ignoring each other for a week, like right, you all right, that's that, all right, I mean and my and obviously the children are in the middle of this, but if I take control in my house or if I'm the the point of contact for the agreements, I find that what my children would do, like most children would do, is oh, I'll I'll go to mom. So rather than rather than coming back to dad and renegotiating the agreement, if I go to mom, who's a little more lenient. And I guess her and dad are even in contact. I can create an agreement with mom that somehow overrides the original agreement I had with dad. And so I was experiencing this all at a time when me and my wife was really not seeing eye to eye. Yeah. And then I'd come back, I was coming back late. I was I was really just like throwing myself into work. And so I was like, I'll utilize this time as an excuse not to be present at home. So I'm just gonna, you know, do some admin and, and push myself and make some money bury myself in work and so I'd come home on I think it was a Friday it was a Friday actually and this is after a few times I had been frustrated see I was I didn't express this but I was frustrated that like my son now was dealing with my wife and my wife was not communicating with me and and it just felt so distrape so when I when I went home on on the Friday it was midnight and so I went in the house and I came in with with a rather disruptive energy because I've created all these judgments and expectations. And I'm like, where's where's we my son? And my wife's kind of like, oh, he's not yet. And I'm like, okay, so I phoned him. I said, hey, son, where are you? And he's like, I'm on the bus. And I'm like, yeah, I can hear you on the bus, but where are you, What's your ETA? He said, oh, it's 1.20 AM. And I just hung up on him. I just hung up on him, I was so, so livid. And I went to sat in the bedroom and I messaged him and I said, son, he messaged me and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry there was bus diversions, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, listen, so I was sitting there and, and I'm furious because I'm thinking, oh, really, there's nothing I can do or say anymore to control this kid. And it goes back to that fear that you ex- that you kind of picked up on or, or at least something you saw in that. And so I said to him, well, I made the decision, you're not, well, you're not coming home tonight. So you're not coming back home at that time. You're not walking through this door at home at 1.20 AM. And so I said, you can go to your Nan's house. So he said, all right, no problem. And so I proceeded to message him and say, and then he said, I'll message you when I get to Nan's house. And in my being at that moment in time, I'm I'm being angry, I'm being frustrated. I'm being that, you know what, this is unfair. So I messaged him and I said to him, son, don't bother messaging me when you get to Nan's house because one, I'm going to keep in and for two, If anything happens to you, there is nothing I can do about it because you have chosen to be out of reach. So I trust you'll get to Nan safely. And that was that. So clearly you can even hear in the energy of the message where I was at at that particular moment in this exchange. And so the next day he woke up and he messaged us and he said, oh, I think I'm going to stay at Nan's house. And then uh, because my wife and I was in such discord, she went into straight blame mode, and then it created more com- confusion in the house. And this is just a real life story and a real life exploration. And what it kind of brings me to is this point. See, when I was pondering on what was creating that disconnect between me and my son, it was it was the fact that I I felt like why doesn't my son want to spend time with me? Why why doesn't my son admire me like I like I thought he would? Why doesn't he? Um, care enough to, to honor our agreements, you know? And, and and I actually was was aware of an inner dialogue that was kind of very I was like, I know, I'm not gonna ask him to connect with him because I'm his dad. And he should want to connect with me. And and you know, I feel I feel like he should want to connect with me. And actually when I dug deeper, there was a fear of rejection. Like what if I go to my son and say, son, I miss you. I want to spend time with you. I want to rekindle our relationship. And he says, no,
0: I'm not interested, Dad. Yeah, and it, it would be the most vulnerable and emotionally intimate thing to do. Yes. And, yeah. and and yet the the scariest in some way.
1: Well, for me, it definitely was the scariest. And, and and really what what I realized was, um, you know, kind of, oh, we're here again. You know, I think one yeah. of the things that leads me about, you know, my journey as it relates to personal mastery and, you know, even even since being introduced to being, is that like it is a moment to moment thing, and 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 the moment that I feel or I create the illusion that I am, I've mm. surpassed
0: this. Mm. Yeah, like uh, I'm. This thing. <laughs> I, I have achieved mastery.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't fear betrayal anymore, and 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 then there's there's something that happens in life that will have that roundabout I come right around and go, hello, Mister London, how are we today? And you're like. Uh, but you know what the most amazing thing was born from that was that I learned so much about myself and, you know, I, I reconnected with my son. You know, we went out for the weekend and and I had the most amazing heart to heart where I shared so openly and so vulnerably. And I was nervous sharing because I was just worried that my his idea of who I am is going to change. And I was sharing with him that I'm 37 years young and I'm I'm just a big kid. And, and you might see me as your dad or you might have ideas of who I am or who I've pretended to be to kind of mold you a certain way. But son, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable. I'm scared. I'm scared to even have this conversation with you. And, but I love you so much and I don't ever want you to you know, think that I don't. And I could learn a lot in regards to how I show up towards you, how open I am to you. And it just led to the most amazing, powerful, open, vulnerable conversation between father and son. You know, and he's decided he's still going to stay his nan's. And you know what the the sad truth is, or kind of hurts my heart, is that actually it's working better without him in the house.
0: Yeah, well, that's, and in in a way, that's only a problem when you have an expectation that it should be different.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think there really is the worries of what are other people going to think and, you know, or, you yeah, start-
0: And then, the, I mean, I can imagine the judgments coming up like, oh, have I failed as a father if I'm not being yeah. a first pick? And yeah, so, you know, I, I want to really just acknowledge the vulnerability that you shared in that story, how you also uh, just made it real for us. And a lot of the times, you know, when we're speaking to just conversations with, with people that are very very successful and at the top of their games it's rare that they will open up in the way that you have and just really given invited us to see what it's like to yeah what what really goes on in your house and and what what you've been dealing with and how you've been went from being frustrated and pissed off and and fearful to to just being really graceful graceful in it that's uh it takes takes courage. It takes heart, and that to me is inspiring. And you are, uh, yeah, being an example for um, for your son. So thank you for sharing that story. I'm I'm moved by the way you shared it.
1: No, oh, thank you for noticing, and thank you for creating it that way.
0: We appreciate that. So, before we we complete this conversation, I I did say I was just going to come back to Birmingham and the ultimate experience in Birmingham that's happening next year. Can you share a little bit more about what that is, who's it for, what's it, and what's going on?
1: Oh, I mean, it's funny because the whole TUB 24
0: and the event and who's it for and what's going on. Just slow down, you said TUBE24. For those of people who've never heard that before, what, what is that? So TU, the Ultimate Experience Birmingham,
1: there is there are some events that have been born and inspired by Steve Hardison, the ultimate Coach, the coach of being. The original one was Judy Thierson in Arizona. And then Matt Smith caught a vision to create an ultimate experience event, which was which is an event based on being and experiencing the magnificence of who you are, in my words. And now there was a there was one that was that has taken place in India, and now there's another one scheduled, a being event, which is an event to and an invitation to to individuals to experience, not to know intellectually, but to experience the power of being. And the magnificence of who they truly be, and yeah, there's there's another event coming up, and Matt Evans caught a vision, and he just spoke that into the world, and it's in creation as we speak.
0: Um, and it's a yeah, a very bold vision, and and a and a, and a stadium of up to thousand five hundred people, bringing people from from all over. Where can people go to find out more about that, or you know, purchase a ticket?
1: A lot things. So it, it will be the 25th and the 26th of May next year. And my recommendation is to go direct to the website, which is t u tango uniform hyphen b b e hyphen 24.com. And everything they could want to know, any links they may need, uh, is all available on the website. Yeah, the vision is massive. The vision is big. And also, like every other being event, nobody is being paid to be there. Everybody that's part of creating this event, the amazing speakers, the amazing individuals that are, you know, working as part of the team to create this event. Everyone is is going, is is investing their time for free. And one of the, the visions is also to raise a hundred thousand pounds for a special charity, which is special to Matt Evans uh, as it relates to the Birmingham Children's Hospital. And there's a, Department that install cochlear implants, and Matt's wonderful daughter was actually a recipient, as she was um, born deaf, and and they they perform these procedures where they gift hearing to to children. And so, you know, one of the the aims of this event is is to actually raise
0: a hundred thousand and gift it to this amazing charity. What a great course, What a great event! Thank you for sharing that, and for those that want to connect with you know more about you and what you're up to what's what's the best way they can do that
1: sure so so at current just if you're on facebook just look me up under my name dominic london Um add me as a friend message me or on instagram at life Coach Dong. yeah follow me there
0: reach out i'd love to connect well beautiful thank you dominic uh, thank you so much for this conversation is there anything you want to share before we complete today?
1: Just my gratitude for you, the invitation to this space, my gratitude for the conversation we've just had. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Just deeply grateful for you and anyone that may listen to this podcast. Um, and I would invite anybody that does listen to this to, to listen to it with their heart and open listening yeah, and be open to being inspired or experiencing seeing himself in
0: a different way Dominic London thank you so much thank you Samuel my pleasure thank you for joining us today if there's someone you know who could benefit from this conversation please share this episode with them your recommendation might just be the encouragement someone needs also check out www.beingmovement.com that's being movement spelt all together you'll find real valuable resources and links to connect to an engaging and just a wonderfully supportive community together we can inspire and support each other on the path to a greater understanding of being until next time take care and be kind to yourself.